While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. Having done this podcast, I find it funny sometimes to hear people go on about elections and how the country is going down in flames. Remember that the United States and democracy in general was a pretty bold experiment at first, and we've gotten much better at it over the years. As of now, congressmen aren't coming to work brandishing weapons, there aren't any fistfights on the Senate floor anymore, and I don't think anyone in recent memory has been challenged to a duel. I'm writing this not long after Election Day 2022, and yeah, some people are pretty loud and a lot of people are complaining on social media, but politicians and most people are behaving better now than some have in the past. For example, let's take the election of 1946. This is moving through Georgia, and this week it's the year Georgia had three governors. Last time we talked about Governor Eugene Talmadge. He was first elected in 1933 under the county unit system, in which the politician who won the small rural counties could overstep the votes of more populated counties and win the governorship. And Talmadge was very popular in rural counties. The New Deal was a big deal in Georgia, and mostly black sharecroppers were taking better-paying jobs with the CCC and WPA. Roosevelt felt that raising wages was the path out of the Depression, while Talmadge believed that low wages were the South's greatest economic advantage to attract new business. This included some animosity toward unions. Once, as we talked about during a textile strike, he ordered troops to round up strikers and detain them behind barbed wire. He was a Southern Huey Long-type conservative governor, a fan of Benito Mussolini, who once boasted that he didn't have a lot of time to read, but did read Mein Kampf seven times. He was elected to four terms as governor, but died before he could take office for the last one. And as we dig into this, remember that the past election was the first one under a new state constitution, and new rules were getting set up and challenged. There hadn't been a general election. Talmadge's party had a virtual monopoly on the state, and the winner of the primary would have run unopposed. Without a governor-elect, there were three serious candidates for the office. The first was Melvin Thompson, the new lieutenant governor. This was a new office, and Thompson was the first. Technically, the lieutenant governor would assume the office if the governor died. But was Talmadge really the governor? He wasn't running from a consecutive term. He had won the election against the incumbent, Ellis Arnold. Talmadge hadn't yet taken the oath of office. The state constitution clearly stated that the lieutenant governor would step in for the established governor, but says nothing about a governor-elect. Also, Thompson was not a supporter of Talmadge, so some could argue that the will of the voters would be nullified if a candidate with another political platform stepped in for the man elected by the people. Oh, but there's more. 
Ellis Arnold had decided that he would hold the governor's seat until the matter was settled. The Georgia Attorney General advised that Arnold should remain governor until Thompson was officially sworn into the office he had been elected to, Lieutenant Governor. Arnold would then step down and Thompson would take the chair. Now this makes a lot of now this now this makes a lot of sense until you take into account that Thompson would not be replacing the legitimate governor, but the ex-governor. Here comes the wild card. The third option was Eugene Talmadge's son and campaign manager, Herman. Herman Talmadge was aware of his father's poor health and took some steps in the eventuality of his passing away. Under the previous constitution, if an elected official died before taking office, the legislature would elect his replacement among those who got the most votes. According to a New York Times article from 1947, a Talmadge supporter was reading over the new constitution and realized that if Eugene were to die, it would be best for their side if the next highest number of votes went to one from their camp. Herman influenced a few people back home to scratch out Eugene's name and write his name in, placing him third among write-in candidates. As supporters of all three swarmed around the Capitol building and were treated to excessive amounts of liquor from all sides, a delegation traveled to Telfair County to take another look at those write-in votes. Amazingly, the election managers had made a critical error. An additional 58 write-in votes were found, all for Herman Talmadge, making him the leader by six votes. Now, as an enterprising reporter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution discovered, two of those write-in votes were in the name of people who had died, five had moved away, and five attested that they hadn't voted. The ballots were all in the same handwriting and covered voters with names that started with A through K. By now, both Thompson and Talmadge had set up offices in the Capitol building. Arnold was still acting as governor, including swearing in newly elected judges, but as he left the office one night, Talmadge's people ran up and changed the locks. Arnold wasn't deterred, and he set up his office in the Rotunda's information booth. On January 18th, Ellis Arnold resigned the governorship, and Thompson was sworn in as acting governor. Talmadge still had the office upstairs. Three days earlier, the state legislature had voted him the new governor. Among the arguing, the Secretary of State took the state seal from its safe and hid it in a cushion in his wheelchair, taking away the means for either man to render official decisions or orders. The chaos went on for two months. Do you still think that American politics has regressed to some point of no return? As I write this, a candidate who lost the race for governor of Arizona has assembled a legal team and filed a lawsuit to contest the results. She hasn't had crowds of supporters strong-arming guards out of the way, and she hasn't set up her own office in the rotunda of the Capitol. The stuff going on today is downright civilized compared to what we've gone through in the past. We are learning how to do this democracy thing pretty well.
The battle of the Georgia governors for the seat left vacant by the death of Eugene Talmadge brings Governor Arnold post-haste to the state capitol. Mr. Arnold, who is legally unable to run in the last election, storms the governor's office from which he has been ejected after a fiery battle with Talmadge supporters. Following a vigorous effort to reinstall himself, Arnold decides to change his plan of attack, temporarily leaving the governor's chair to his political foe, Herman Talmadge, son of the deceased governor-elect. Talmadge, whose claim to the governorship is supported by the state legislature, presents his side. The legislature elected me governor of Georgia by a vote of 161 to 87. I have accepted my election, have taken my oath of office, and am now at my desk attending to the duties of my office. Arnold's next step is to set up headquarters in the 20-foot square reception booth in the rotunda of the Capitol building, where he maintains a firm attitude. I, Ellis Arnold, am governor of this state. I will continue to remain governor of Georgia until my legal successor, the lieutenant governor, can enter upon the discharge of the executive powers of the state government. I fear no man. I stand alone without the military to defend the Constitution and laws of Georgia and to preserve the rights of the people to see that the man they intended to be governor is installed and that this office is not given to a pretender and a usurper. Occupation of the governor's mansion is another bone of contention. Here, Mrs. Talmadge and her children, escorted by state troopers, take up residence in the gubernatorial home, while Arnold is at his country place 30 miles away. This leaves the Herman Talmadges well entrenched in their opening moves for complete control. But all is not serene for long. Next, Mr. Arnold arrives to demand entrance, but possession being nine points of the law and with a husky trooper to back it up, Arnold returns once more to the capital. Here, Mr. Arnold is denied occupancy of his modest rotunda office in a heated argument with the Burley State Representative, James Dykes. In a final move, Arnold hands over the reins to Lieutenant Governor M.E. Thompson, who is also a Talmadge foe. Herman Talmadge refuses to turn over the executive offices to Thompson, who demands a Georgia court decision and who states his case as acting governor. My contention is that the people elected me Lieutenant Governor of the state of Georgia knowing that I would succeed to the governorship in an emergency which now exists. I have a mandate from the people which I must carry out. Of course, this issue was settled through the courts. In March, the Georgia Supreme Court ruled 5-2 to two that Thompson was the governor-elect, but that there would be a special election in less than a year to finally fill the position. Talmadge peacefully left the governor's office, refusing to challenge the court's decision and immediately hit the campaign trail. Herman Talmadge would win that election and serve the last two years of the term his father had won then be re-elected in 1950. I just want to remind you that Moving Through Georgia is a history podcast focusing on Northeast Georgia. If you have any questions, comments, or complaints, I'd love to hear from you at movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. That's all one word. 
Also, if you want to get this out to more people, a review or five stars on Apple Podcasts would be great. Could this happen in other places? Could this happen possibly on the federal level? The 20th Amendment to the United States Constitution was passed in 1932 and specifically states that if the president-elect dies before Inauguration Day, the vice president-elect steps in. So far, that hasn't happened. Everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The element left for the old left hand around the ring you go. A grand old right left walk on your heel and toe. From an aid that pretty gal to Georgia. That's all.